Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the introit that we sang just a few moments ago, selected verses of Psalm 92 and Luke 24, especially these words. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, tonight we commemorate St. Luke. Not one of the apostles. St. Luke. What do we know about Luke? Well, we know that he authored the gospel that bears his name, Luke, volume one of a two-volume set, the Acts of the Apostles. We know from Scripture that Luke was a doctor, the beloved physician. We know that Luke was a traveling companion, a faithful traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. We heard in our epistle lesson, Luke alone is with me. Everybody else is gone. Luke alone is here. Tonight, we commemorate St. Luke, evangelist. Now, when you hear that word evangelist or evangelism, you might think of knocking on doors or Billy Graham. We don't use that word evangelist much in the church. An evangelist is one who brings the evangel. One who brings good news. That's what the gospel is. That's what evangelism is all about. It's about the good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke penned the gospel of Luke. But we're talking about something much more. In the gospel of Luke, Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes God's word. The life-giving, life-changing gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. St. Luke, evangelist. God's Word in Psalm 92, right smack dab in the middle of our intro, says, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. Good news should make us glad. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. So, are you glad? Are you full of joy? Far too often we're not. Far too often as Christians, we are not filled with the joy of the good news of Jesus Christ. We're filled with something else. We're filled with the latest binge on Netflix or Amazon Prime. We're filled with the latest political debate or turmoil. We're filled with 
worry about living our lives day to day, paying our bills. We're filled with all kinds of stuff. And in so doing, we are robbed of the gladness and the joy that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings. You know, gladness, joy, it's really kind of a funny thing. You can't just whip it up. I think I'll be more joyful today. It doesn't work that way. Joy is a byproduct. Joy is a byproduct. When we hear the good news of the gospel, when we believe the good news of the gospel, the gospel sets us free to be the people of God right out of our liturgy. And if we are set free to be the people of God, naturally, in our freedom, we'll be glad. We'll be filled with joy. No matter what the circumstances, the joy that comes from God, the joy that surpasses all understanding. You know, when I was little, going to parochial school, about this time of the year, we would start hearing about Martin Luther and the Reformation. We would hear about the young monk posting 95 theses on the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. We would hear about his fight against indulgences. We would hear of how people actually thought that their good works could get them into heaven. And how Luther, used by God, helped shine the light of the gospel into a dark and dreary world. And I thought to myself, you know, those people must have been so stupid. How could anyone actually think that working your way to heaven or doing good works could merit any favor in God's sight. Well, I've had to repent of those words many times. For the last 40 years or so, I have witnessed as a pastor countless examples of how people, Bible-believing, baptized Christian people, live their life under the burden of the law. They live their life miserable. They live their life with no joy, with no gladness, because they somehow think they need to do something to merit or to keep God's favor. There's a, there's a fancy word for this. It's called legalism. Legalism. When we are so carried away, when we are so enamored with the law of God or man-made rules, it really doesn't make any difference. When we put ourselves under these rules and regulations, 
thinking, somehow, God notices and cares. Thinking somehow, we are doing God a favor. Thinking somehow, we're climbing the ladder of salvation. And you know something else that I've noticed in those 40 years? People that are caught in this web of legalism and self-justification, they're not happy people. They're unhappy. Oftentimes they're bitter and resentful. Worried about somebody else's climb up the ladder to God in addition to their own. There's no joy. Why? Because there's no Jesus. The antiphon for our intro, the the top and the bottom, the, the bracketed part, the part that we repeat, takes us to Luke chapter 24. And one thing, every intro is like a mini sermon where verses from God's word are crafted together as they have been for centuries in the church, crafted together to teach us a simple lesson, crafted together to preach us a simple sermon. And that's the point here tonight. That message from Luke, a part of what I refer to as Luke's great commission from Luke 24, gives us the heart the core and the soul of the good news, the evangel, the gospel. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. There you have it. Good Friday and Easter. The death and resurrection of Jesus. That's why Jesus came. He came for you. And for me, caught in the bondage of sin, caught in the bondage of self-justification, caught in the bondage of legalism, caught in the bondage of death, Jesus comes and he sets us free. Jesus died and rose for the whole world. Absolutely true. Jesus died and rose for you. For you. One of the dear saints that we had here at Good Shepherd many, many years ago. She was the head of our evangelism team, by the way. Marilee Miller. And Marilee was very, very fond of saying this one little phrase. I am just constantly amazed that if I was the only person on the entire face of the world, God would have sent his son Jesus to die and rise for me. My friends, that's true for each one of us. That's the good news. Christ died and rose for you. For you. And yet so often. It's an afterthought. 
so often, too often, because we're so full of other things. It's a nothing. Luke goes on. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, Jesus' name, to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This is the mission of the church. The proclamation of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. We might say it this way. The proclamation of law and gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why the church exists. That's why you're here tonight. God, the Holy Spirit, has called you into his house to hear his word. For all the times that we have been filled with other things rather than God's word, for all of the times that we have tried to work out our own merit and favor with God on our own. For all of the times we have foolishly justified our actions and tried to climb the ladder to heaven, which doesn't exist. God's word tonight calls us to repent. To repent. To repent. Repentance is literally an about face. Instead of having our eyes fixed on me, or what I do, or what I say, or anything about me, the Holy Spirit directs us to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God calls us to repent, to be sorry, and to believe the good news. The good news that is the forgiveness of sins. For all of those times we have foolishly wandered. For all of those times we've been too full of ourselves to hear or appreciate the gospel. For all of our silly self-justification. Jesus Christ justifies you. His blood covers over you and your sin. His blood sets you free. If the Son sets you free, John 8, you are free indeed. That's right. You're free. You're free to live. You're free to love. As we talked about in confirmation class tonight, you are free to enjoy God's gift of creation. All the first article gifts that He gives us. Our eyes, our ears, all of our senses, clothing, Shoes, house, home, food, drink, and on and on and on. You're free to enjoy these. You're not free to do what you want. You're not free to sin. That would be an abuse, a mocking of the gospel. But God wants you to be free. God wants you to live. God wants you to be happy in Him. And that's the secret to joy and gladness. Paul says, I know what it's like in any and every situation. You can be joyful and glad when you're in pain, when you're in prison, when you're getting beat up, 
when you're shipwrecked? Yes. Because our joy, true Christian joy, is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that sets us free. What do we do with our freedom? Well, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Why? For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of of your hands. Creation, yes. Think also of the nail-scarred hands of our Savior Jesus. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. Yes, that's right. They're a lot deeper than our thoughts. My friends, tonight, God calls us to humble ourselves before him and his word. To hear as if it was for the first time the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Your name is written in the book of life. You are free. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our freedom in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory.